Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 40. That's a big number. It's a round number. It ends in a zero. Congratulations on 40 episodes. Yeah, we've been doing this 40 times, so yeah, we'll keep going. It's cool. become just automatic for me. This is just like a thing yeah. that I do now. I just I record, record a podcast. No big deal. Uh, we have a thing to celebrate that involves the both of us. Uh, the thing we talked about last time of getting the Attaboy thing up. This happens very rarely. It happened exactly as I said it would. <laughs> it's, I was like, oh, I could probably whip this together in a couple hours after this podcast. And then I did. Uh, looking back at my time log, it took me exactly one hour and 19 minutes from soup to nuts. From like, I'm sitting down, starting working on this thing to I have handed it over to you and given you access to the GitHub things. You can add your own cloud function. And I've made the fab icon for it and I've added some cards for social media sharing and I've tweeted about it with the, the clipped out video for some marketing. Uh, hour and 19 minutes to start a new thing. My gosh, if I if I do something in this category of work like a hundred times, I, I can't <laughs> imagine what's going to happen. I don't know if this thing in particular is going to be uh, successful, uh, but like good, good practice getting the reps in. Uh, and it feels kind of good to be like, I have done this part of the scaffolding and, and the part that I can do sort of automatically. Uh, and now I'm handing it to you for the interesting part, the, the way I coded it. I just like respond to whatever the person said with, I quote what they said and then say at a point, which is horribly boring. Uh, and the, the ball is now in your court. What's, uh, what's, what's the plan? What are we doing? That's right. So um, I started thinking about how I was going to do this and immediately ran into uh, a few problems. <laughs> and so, so these are interesting. Um, the, the way AI gets developed right now is um, you train it on GPUs and then you can do inference on GPUs or on CPUs. Um, the problem is that these language models are so big that uh, if I were to do it on a CPU, it would take 30 seconds to a minute probably to respond with something custom, which would be okay for you know a background task, um, which adds more complexity. So my, my uh, array of options right now are do it on a CPU as a background task, do it on a GPU, but then it costs like a lot of money, like a dollar per hour to run the servers, um, which turns into a lot of money. Uh, use GPT-3, which is we could totally do. Uh, that would cost about, um, I could probably do it for a penny per response, um, which is not zero, but not that expensive, right? Um, and, uh, or the uh, we could pre-generate like a list of say a hundred or a thousand, you know, uh, responses and then put those in a big array and then pick a random one, basically. Um, so those are all the different ways I might do it. And uh, yeah, so I'd love to hear your thoughts about any of those. I, I would love to point out the irony of the fact that it costs a penny per response. Uh, it's literally a, a penny for your thoughts, <laughs> whatever the language model is. Suppose so. uh, for starting out, it sounds like it's going to make the most sense to just generate you said a hundred thousand, I think. I don't. I don't think we. Need I said a hundred or a thousand. Oh, a hundred or a thousand. Uh, yeah, like a hundred, just like good job iterations that yeah. say that in in different ways. Uh, and then we put that in an array and just have it in memory, and then pick a random one. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's that's close to what I was going to do originally, but it'll be fun to be like, ah, it's AI, and it was AI from the beginning. Like right. these are responses that you're getting from the spot. This is not necessarily something that that Chris or I wrote explicitly. Uh, and then it sounds like it's going to make the most sense to just do it through GPT-3. 
Uh, and then potentially GPT-3 could be giving more custom responses. Well, but then if we're doing that, why not Why not jump to that initially? Uh, hmm. Hmm. Why not, why not just do GPT right now? Because uh, I, I haven't done it before, so I don't know all the ins and outs of, of interacting with it. I have an account, and I know there is an API, and that is as far as I've gotten with using it. So, yeah, I think that's the way to go too, because I could see this being interesting to people if we like publish it on uh, Indie Hacker or something, and be like, ah, it uses GPT three, like we'll instantly get <laughs> a million upvotes because uh, people love GPT three things. Uh, if that if that seems feasible, my my understanding of it is it's just an API call. You yep have an API key and uh, call up the service and have some template format of like, okay, this was the input text. I cleaned my dishes, and then the example output text is, uh, good job cleaning your dishes. And then the example input text number two is whatever the person says. Your example output text is blank, and then you take that blank and and uh, respond to it in the message. Is that is that right? Yep. That that seems like it'd be the most straightforward, and uh, GPT three is like in your wheelhouse of things to get comfortable with. It seems like this is a good place to do that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, and cool. then I can say I've uh, done something with it instead of <laughs> just played around with it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, sure, I can try to do that this week. That'd be fun. Neat. How exciting! Also, very exciting to me that like I've set this up in a way where I won't need to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it works. I have my basic templating thing that like does a response, and if it's just an API call, that'll that'll be super straightforward. Oh, one thing I'm so that we don't have environment, so that we don't have your private key. Mm. I'll give you access to the next project also, and then you can have a place to edit the environment variables. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But then, then <laughs> you, <laughs> I, I won't need to do anything, uh, and it'll just get pushed. Uh, thank you once again to listener. Oh my gosh, I forgot where I wrote his name down. I'm sorry. Uh, Jonas Larson. Jonas Larson for tweeting us being like, hey, where's this thing? It seems like you guys could push this out. Uh, and we can. And uh, I, I'm i curious how much time you spend on this of like connecting up the API. Uh, I challenge you to spend less than an hour and 19 minutes on it. <laughs> That'd be really I, I, cool to brag that like we launched this thing in no time. Yeah, I think the hardest part might be figuring out how to set up your project and get the environment variables working and deploying. Like, like that'll probably take a half an hour just to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so getting familiar with the with the environment. The way I set it up, I, I'm in love with Vercel uh, from the people who make the Next JS framework because they just make it so trivially easy. It's it's the best platform I've ever seen to deploy on. Um, it's it's it, it feels like Heroku is nice, but Heroku is incredibly expensive. This is cheap. And it feels like they designed the framework with the deployment environment in mind and just everything makes sense and it's super easy and you just connect your, your GitHub account and then anytime you push, it has the automatic uh, CI integration. Oh, what does CI stand for? Something continuous integration. Continuous integration. I said CI integration and that was uh, <laughs> saying integration it's like, it's twice. Like a pin. It's like a pin number. Yes. <laughs> or, or an ATM, or ATM machine. machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they they have the continuous integration so that you just push and it, it flows through the pipeline and gets instantly deployed. It's, it's so nice. I In the last two weeks, I think I've set up something like five projects in this framework of like, it's running on Next, it has React in the framework, it's using Tailwind for uh, styling, uh, it's deployed on Vercel, I have the domain name through Google Domains, and it, oh, every piece of it just, just slots together so well. 
uh, the backend is in Firebase, the authentication is in Firebase, and that, I, I feel like I can get up to the point of like having an actual useful thing where I'm, I'm writing novel code uh, quicker than I ever have been in my life. So, uh, do you use Vercel? Is this so? I haven't used Vercel before, but I've used Netlify, which is very very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all the all the same stuff. You deploy to GitHub, and it automatically pushes. And you can use your own backend, or they have these cloud functions. Um, yeah, cool. It's it's a very fun time to be a web developer. This stuff is just getting easier and easier every year. Uh, cool. What else did you get up to this last week? What else are you are you thinking about? Um, I had a, an interesting conversation with Jesse Anderson, who we've talked Jesse. to. That's right. We talked to uh, on this podcast before. Um, he's writing a book about ADHD and focus. And he said on Twitter that all of these AI tools are coming out, GPT-3 and all of these. And it would be really neat if he had like a writing assistant or writing buddy for different tasks. Um, and there are several that exist, but they most of them are either focused on fiction. Um, GPT is especially good at fiction because of the way... Um, uh, it's trained and stuff uh, so either fiction or um, like pumping out as many blog posts as possible so it's like we will replace you as a writer you know we will use this AI to write these blog posts for you mm. um, and very few if any are really focused on you know someone who might be writing a nonfiction book um, like a long form book and so we had a, a neat conversation about the things he might like to see and I don't know if I'm going to do anything with it yet but um, I certainly could uh, and um yeah. So, what is your, what's your hot take on an AI writing buddy for you know long form nonfiction? I have several thoughts. This slots perfectly in how I see AI development going. How uh, the, the development of it seems to be like first humans can blow the computers out of the water, and uh, it's sort of commonly accepted that humans will never be able to do this as well as uh, computers will never never be able to do this as well as humans can. And this marks part of our humanity that we are good at chess or we are good at go or we are good at starcraft and then computers start doing kind of okay it's passable and and they sort of start passing the turing test of like ah it wrote something that's interesting that you know an, an elementary student couldn't do uh well you know this is still a toy and this isn't gonna uh, actually happen and then uh after some development it gets to the point where the best people at that task are pretty good humans who are able to use the technology as a tool so if you know the best chess players for a while were uh humans who had some intuitive sense of the long-term planning of chess and they could use this chess engine to be able to make sure that they weren't gonna make a grave mistake or like highlight oh this this is your highest probability choice and then of course it, it replaces the task completely so i think what you're what what jesse's bumping into now is like we are not yet there with writing uh the the completely automated writing tools that just say um, i'll generate a blog post for you uh based on this title are bad uh it's sort of it, it's been very interesting to me reading those because if you're not paying attention if you're kind of like zoned out you don't really notice it's like okay this, this makes sense on the level of the sentence but it's not going anywhere uh it's, it feels almost like a human intelligence test like can you tell that this was right. <laughs> that this is not actually saying anything um so it it from a from a meta level a sort of a tool that that is aiding you in writing that's like pointing things out to you or uh you know maybe expanding a bullet point of yours into a paragraph uh and then you clean it up a little bit like that that sort of a tool seems to make sense in where we are developmentally with automatically writing an ai right now uh so i i think that's it, it seems like now is the, the time is right for a tool like this my second thought is i would love 
some way of taking a Zettelkasten system, uh, which I've been obsessed with over this last year. The, the basic idea is that anytime you have a thought, either while you're reading a piece of media or just out for a walk, you note it down in a structured way where you, you can sort of like write a book a, a drip at a time. You can just, if, if you have some system of capturing these thoughts in a way that's linking them together, when you actually sit down to write the piece, uh, instead of having to come up with all your ideas from scratch, you just say, hey, show me all of my drips of thoughts and ideas about uh, skiing. And then you have every tagged note you've ever had, every thought that you've ever thought was worth writing down about skiing. And then uh, the, the process of writing is not coming up with things on the fly. It's just like editing them and putting them together in a more cohesive, cohesive manner. So what I would be most curious about in a nonfiction writing tool like this, Zettelkastens are, are designed for nonfiction writing. It's supposed to be a tool for that. I would be so curious if there was a AI that was Zettelkasten aware, and I'm not even sure what this would look like, but I would love to give a system like my body of all of my notes and journal entries and uh, notes that I've taken on blog posts and YouTube videos and say, hey, here is everything that I've dumped into my exobrain. Talk back to me as if you have some intelligence. And when I start typing, you know, I, I want to write about goldfish. I want you to, to remind me, oh, hey, you, you wrote about goldfish because, you know, when you're watching Ted Lasso, they had the whole thing about goldfish and here's this theme. And I don't know what, what it would do next. Maybe it's like, here's an example paragraph of a thing that you could write and, and it's in your style. Uh, and I'm also not familiar with like what is technically feasible right now. Like I, I know what GPT-3 is, but I'm not quite sure how I would take my Zettelkast and then put it into GPT-3. Like I couldn't load that into memory. Uh, but what I might be describing is just like, use the Zettelkast in the way it's, it should be designed. Uh, that that might be a solution to, to Jesse as a uh, nonfiction writing tool. But I feel like AI could play in that somehow. Uh, do, do you see an obvious way to put AI in there or is that unnecessary if you have the Zettelkasten system already? Yeah, so I'm not familiar with that, so I'll have to look that up. Um, but generally there's, so there are several techniques, not just GPT-3 that could be helpful there. Um, one is, like you have all of these different thoughts and so you could group them you could do something called embeddings um so embeddings is like taking a bit of text and spitting out a, an array of numbers you know, a fixed array of numbers that represents kind of the idea behind that text um oh, cool and so you can you can embed multiple you can embed you know pictures and you can embed all sorts of stuff but um so you can get embeddings for for things and then you could like group them that way um so that'd be kind of interesting. So you could say like, here's all my notes about whatever, you know, where else did I say goldfish or where else was I talking about, you know, that. And then you may not have actually said that word, but you could sort of search all of your things for a similar idea to something. Mm. Um, so that's sort of one thing you might be able to do. Um, another is, so Jesse and I talked about this, how one writing technique is you sort of have the points and then you just sort of ramble uh, on a, like a note, like you, you speak, right? And then later you go back and turn that into like the text that you, you want. Um, and so that's similar. And so, you know, what he wanted is something that would take his sort of rambling voice and turn it into text that made more sense. Mm. Um, so like summarize and, you know, make bullet points out of things. And so that's similar to what you just said, like take all of these disparate thoughts and sort of turn them into a cohesive narrative. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. So I think there's, there is a lot there. Uh, what I was trying to figure out though is what you know what could i plausibly you know deliver to someone that would be useful you know what like what's the minimum viable product basically mm -hmm. for this um and that's what i'm not 100 percent sure about but i think there is a lot of interesting 
interesting stuff there. I love the idea of embedding. I didn't know that that was a thing you could do, that you could take a sentence and extract the, the abstract idea from that. Uh, in Ted Lasso, the analogy of goldfish is brought up to describe this concept of uh, not to get hung up on your losses and to mm. have the memory of a goldfish. So like, uh, just, just keep trying and, and forget your history of that you've failed in the past and that's going to help you uh, go forward. So if if there was a, a AI linking system that could abstract that idea and then apply it somewhere else in some other note that I took that had nothing to do with goldfish, like a, a nothing to do with Ted Lasso, I, I wouldn't have made the connection if uh, the, the computer hadn't. Uh, that's fun. That's the computer making more connections. Like, my gosh, that's that's helping me think. That's <laughs> seems like it's a it's an external brain. That's that's uh, wild. Uh, but that depends on having this Zettelkasten system in place already, uh, which is becoming more popular. But it's it's and I, I think if you were going to deploy this as a product, maybe you integrate with Rome Research, which is like a popular right. web-based tool for this type of system. But uh, the the easiest thing that's jumping out to me is taking rambling notes and consolidating them into summarized clearer text. I like that a lot. And that seems like a very straightforward problem. I, I've seen demos of GPT-3 where it's able to summarize text and I've seen text summarizers uh, yep. years ago, I think like a, a decade and a half ago. Uh, it's a, a product called Sumly that was mm. sold to Yahoo by this like 17 year old kid that could take articles and summarize them uh, automatically. That feels valuable. If I can just like, a, a, a process that I love doing is just going for a walk and spewing nonsense and like any thought that comes in my head, I'm just doing stream of consciousness, like a, uh, morning, morning pages, uh, style journaling. Uh, and I've got my AirPods in. So hopefully when people walk past me, they think I'm on a phone call or something, but I'm, I'm just talking to myself. Uh, and then at the end of that, I get this huge, uh, I do text to speech. So it's, it's just stream of consciousness, a whole bunch of text and, uh, you know, 98% of the words are accurate. If I could take that and then get the main ideas from it automatically or get like a cohesive summary of the thing that I just said, that feels valuable. Uh, and I could see the total. So like uh, building an app that, you know, does voice recording and transcriptions would be trivial to do. Uh, and then if you added to that, this secret spicy sauce of, I also summarize for you what you said at the end of it and, and you know, give you the, the three main bullet points. Uh, that seems like it could be marketed as like a, a valuable writing tool. If you can take all that rambling and then spit out, here's here's the paragraph now that you wrote this morning that you can cut and paste into your book. Um, I think that would depend a lot though on like, can you actually do that? Is that, could you go from the ramblings of just walking to a, a paragraph that you could write? That seems like the job of a ghostwriter or someone much more intelligent. Uh, does, right. that, does that seem feasible? Uh, it, it might be technically possible. Uh, one thing AI has a hard time with is um, like long, uh, um, like um, what's it called like dependencies, basically like long-term planning. And so um, it would be, you'd have to sort of have a scaffolding around like, how do you want to structure this and then have the AI sort of just do bits at a time. But you can also, you can, you can absolutely do summaries. So, you know, some AI summary with some long-term grouping planning kind of separate AI and then, expand that into sort of thing, uh, chapters or paragraphs or something. Um, all should be technically possible. Uh, very interesting. The other thing I thought of was things th there are tools that sort of do this today, but so when we were talking about clips marketing for you, um, you were thinking about going after people who have a lot of video content 
and want to you know split that up um but you could also if you text to speech it and then put it through an ai you could generate a whole bunch of tweets that they should tweet out um you could also like take you know take a uh, you know a, a speaker and ingest all their talks and then spit out the book that they should write you know like <laughs> spit out like basically write the book from all their talks uh something like that um so there is a lot that probably could be done with existing either video or audio content um to make it you know valuable for the person uh so that'd, that'd be, be fun to do with the stuff we've been talking about on this podcast i have transcripts of uh every yeah. word we've said on this podcast that i'm doing like i could i can send you text documents of that <laughs> if you can turn that into a book yeah, like sp- cool. spit out a book yeah yeah um so yeah uh i don't know all that's all that's very interesting um generating some of that seems very difficult but uh interesting anyway yeah hmm. does an application there jump out to you was something that you think would be worthwhile and easy to implement uh, easy to implement, maybe not. Um, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like what, what is the thing that I know I could do, you know, and, and is not crazy expensive to run because mm-hmm. remember all these things. So like ingesting a whole ton of data and turning through it with these advanced AIs takes a lot of processing power, a lot of processing time. Um, so it'd be very expensive. Um, yeah. So I have to think about that. What's something I know I could do in that vein and then who might, who might want to use it. Yeah. Yeah. For the problem Jesse has right now of wanting uh, assistance in putting together a nonfiction book, the solution to that is a that'll cast in and that mm. needs no AI. That's just you take your notes in a slightly different way where every thought that you have is linked. And then uh, so, you know, while I'm watching Ted Lasso, I might if, if I just did that higher level thinking of like, oh, this you know, th- this this is ostensibly about goldfish and how goldfish don't forget and like soccer, but the bigger theme here that I'm more interested in is like perseverance. So I might tag it with perseverance and then the, the tag perseverance, I can see across all of my notes, how many times have I used this word to tag something. And then if I click on it, I can see, Oh, it's these four notes across three years. Oh, this is a blog post. Now I can string these ideas together and and turn that into a blog post. And then, sort of the modern way of writing nonfiction is you you take a bunch of blog posts and you string right. those together into chapters and then you string the chapters together into a, a book and now you have a book. Right. Um, so for Jesse or anyone else thinking about writing a nonfiction book, I would highly recommend looking into Zettelkastens. They are uh, fundamentally changing in the way that I'm, I'm, I go about putting together ideas. I feel like my capacity for being able to think about things across time is drastically increased that's cool yeah i've heard of rome research um but i haven't heard of zettelcast so i will have to check that out there's a whole fun story about nicholas lumen the dude who invented them and he started with just cards yeah he was this german uh sociologist and it was just note cards in boxes that were hand linked uh and it's this was i think 100 years ago or something uh and the, the technique has gained a resurgence because it's a very good solution to this problem of just way too much information and then trying to consolidate the information into in a in a meaningful way uh yeah they're they're super cool uh what else you had went through some changes recently you, you officially started your uh school did, yep. did, did you get a first day of school photo with a, a lunchbox or something <laughs> uh no but my, my wife wanted to and then we kind of forgot so maybe okay maybe, maybe we will but um yeah started started school uh it part-time uh, master's program it 
it didn't feel like starting. It felt like watching a bunch of videos online because that's what it was. Um, so it'll be interesting as, as I go along how it feels. Um, I feel like I'll be able to do it part-time like I wanted, so that's good, um, unless it gets a lot harder, which, it, you know, it might. It's only the first week so far. But, um, yeah, so far I'm already learning stuff, and, yeah, I'm excited to, excited to do it. Exciting. Uh, you finished your job also with Hidden Door. Uh, yep. Put together that demo. How'd that go? Any, any yeah, that was good. Um, the the part that I talked about with AI and long term dependency and like planning uh, definitely showed its its face there because like it was generating a narrative, right? And uh, AI is generating narrative don't don't do well unless you put some structure in place. And because I built mm -hmm. it in like two days, I basically just ignored all of that. And so the stories that came out were were pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> one was uh, you decide to go get ice cream and then you like, never come back. So it's like. <laughs> someone walking out you know it's go buy ice cream and then just doesn't come back um sounds like my dad oh. yeah exactly right really. right um and other other things that just don't make any sense uh but they were always pretty funny and it, the responses that came back with always sort of made sense um yeah. although it also one thing that an ai recognizes is markdown because the way they trained it is by parsing a lot of text online a lot of it's markdown mm -hmm. and so um at certain points it'll like uh you know inject a new t chapter <laughs> when you're not asking for chapters or uh, uh at one point the action that it suggested was just one two three four five six seven eight nine ten <laughs> like it was a list of numbers uh okay um so lots of strange things like that but yeah it it worked and uh it was fun even though you know it didn't make any sense <laughs> basically amazing do the you you called it a uh dependency problem that it it, it can't remember oh i mean uh dependency may be the wrong word but like uh long-term dependencies meaning if you die in chapter one then you can't be around in chapter two yes so yes. there are events that happen that other events are dependent on that um it forgets because basically yeah it's not it's the ai doesn't have enough memory like you were talking about to remember things that far in the in the past unless you set up a structure so that it can remember these events yeah that seems really hard to figure out in in learning more about uh, autonomous cars and how those systems works. My understanding of it is the input to those systems is two frames of video. It's, mm. this is what the world looked like one frame ago, one sixtieth of a second ago, and then this is what the world looks like now. What is your action? Do you change the steering wheel? Do you do the, the gas or the brake? Uh, and that's how these cars are driving themselves, which is terrifying. I, I'm <laughs> amazed that it could do that just from a single frame of video. Uh, and that also makes me feel a little better about like the flickering that you see and uh, how the cars are and deciding that uh, what they should do. It's it's kind of eerie when like a bus moves <laughs> across the lane or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if I know that it's only running on two frames of video, like okay, I, I guess that's fine. Uh, how would how do you approach that problem? How do you how do you get a computer to remember that your character died last chapter? Do you include metadata of the state of the world in every request? Yeah, so there's a few ways. Uh, one, with your car driving example, um, based on the last Tesla AI day, they actually do solve this two different ways. One is they just make the networks bigger, so it can remember more than two frames, right? So you are looking at more data. Um, and But and then the other way they solved it is that's the first part of the network, so they have this giant network that looks at that. They have a whole other second planning network that uses some more advanced techniques, like mining car, car low simulation techniques and stuff. So that's... Um, basically th this is how the game of go was solved for with ai um basically you have ai that then drives another machine learning like long-term planning machine learning framework um so that's how tesla is doing it right now 
um for the story bit uh yeah you can inject state of the world so you have you could keep track of like current characters and the state of them things like that and then put those basically at the top of every you know um request so that the ai has at least some option to look back and and see that Mm. Uh, you could also um be even more hands-on than that so if you want to be even more in control you would generate entire non-ai based methods for keeping track of like characters and their state and you know different nouns and verbs in the in the world and then just ask the ai for very specific certain like say sentences or things that you know comply with the rules of the world mm. um, and that is less of letting the ai generate the entire story and more just letting it generate little bits that you know conform to the rules that you've already set up so those are all different ways that you could solve it I like the metadata at the top solution. I'm, I'm thinking of like for every request that you send to G- GPT-3, you, you preface it with like, when we last left off, uh, yep. Yep. Sally like that. was yep. in the Forgotten Woods and had a sword with her. And uh, from the from the AI's perspective, like it's only generating the story a paragraph at a time, but you're prompting it like, okay, I remember yep. the, <laughs> this character's here. Uh, that would then create this additional problem though of like you have to, you have to be able to interpret the story that it's giving you of like, if it says this person goes here, you have to remember that that person went there and then mark that they're there. Hmm. How fun. Yeah. This is what we're talking about building a brain. This, it's, this is so cool. It's, it's like humanity is just collectively teaching a artificial little baby. Uh, neat. <laughs> That's we're, we're, First, we're trying to teach it how to make a story. Uh, when I was young, we used to play this game called Your Turn Stories, where uh, my mom would say, like, you know, once upon a time, Batman and Robin were going to fight Mr. Freeze, but they hit something in the road, and it was your turn. And then I would right. say, a giant ice cream cone. And, uh, like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yep. But we're doing that with a, with a computer. Neat. And potentially horrifying, but mostly neat. <laughs> In this moment, I feel like it's neat. Uh, what, so what of, of those two solutions, how did you choose to address them indoor? In uh, well, for my demo or what they're doing? Because for my demo, I ignored it all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, That's I what yeah. yeah, yeah. And so uh, one thing I did try to do is, so we talked about summarization. So say you have, you know, a very long story. You could summarize it into two sentences, put that at the top, and then generate from there. And so basically you continuously mm-hmm. summarize your story. Uh, I tried that and it did not work like I thought it would in two days. And so I abandoned that, but that should work probably um, if you did it that way. That's a clever uh, solution that, that fixes yeah. the problem I was saying of like, how do you interpret what, what just happens? Yeah. Summaries would work. Yeah. Um, but if you want to do it like as a system without, without talking too much about what hidden door is doing, uh, they are more hands-on with their approach of, you know, making sure it doesn't generate crazy things. Cause they want, you know, like they also want, to be able to direct useful like plot arcs and character arcs mm. and so that you just can't can't really do with ai right now so mm. there has to be a mechanism to generate the plot arc and then have the ai basically fill in the gaps cool makes sense hmm. still in that in-between state of like working with humans and computers and yeah. putting putting boundaries on where the computer can go and then eventually you know this ai is going to be the best fiction writer that there is there will be no human that that can compete with it how exciting oh <laughs> you're the forefront of this technology you're like you're making the thing to to be able to do this uh nice i have 
uh, two things I would like your feedback on. I'll start with a more controversial one because I would like to do something that goes against common uh, wisdom. Uh, and right. it seems like a good idea to me, but <laughs> it seems like it shouldn't be a good idea at the same time. I'm thinking of making Clipstart Marketing freemium. Mm. Freemium is usually a terrible idea, uh, especially for bootstrap founders, because it's not worth it. The, you get a bunch of people who are trying to use it for free. They complain the most. They complain the loudest. Uh, they're not paying you any money. Uh, people, when they're getting something for free, are, are surprisingly pathological. And, uh, you know, the easiest customer to have is one that's paying you $1,000 a month. Like, they send you the least emails. They're the, the happiest with the products. Uh, also, more support. Also, more server costs. Like, freemium is usually a bad way to go. Here's why I think it might be a good idea. About a third of the people who have signed up for my email list so far seem to be in this camp of being super fans of podcasts. And they're interested in this tool because they just love their niche of podcasts. They love their podcasters. And they want to be uh, posting on their own social media clips from the podcast that they listen to. And then... Another third is like the people who I think I actually want who would actually be paying me money of people who are content producers who have a, a fair amount of audience who have sponsors and have money and have a, a way of making money and uh, don't mind spending money on this thing. And then maybe another third are sort of like aspirationally wanting to be in that second group where they don't really have a video content strategy yet, but they would like to get there. And uh, they're they're looking at this as like, oh, this, this could fit into my eventual theoretical pipeline. Whereas that second group, like, Pretty often they'll say something like, oh man, I have paid so much money for exactly this thing. And if you have a tool that does it, great. I, I, I'm comparing this to paying you know, $9,000 a month so you can charge me whatever you want. Um, I, as a person, don't like marketing. Uh, it confuses me. Uh, I <laughs> Paid ads are still something I'm like getting my mind around. Uh, I don't like the idea that I could just have an ad sitting there that's burning money. It's something I'd like to get better at, but it's not my strength. I'm, I don't feel like I'm a strong marketer. I can write a landing page. I can tweet things, but uh, I, I have known people who are very good at sales and marketing. Uh, that That is not my strength. Uh, people who can, you know, go into, you know, make deals with people who have magazines in the niche areas and uh, write articles in that and like go on a podcast tour talking about their product and like, all of those are very good ideas. They're things that I would like to get good at. It's not, it's not a strength I currently have. The strength I have is in like, I can make a really good product. I can make a thing that can cost very little to, to get up and running. Uh, so why not use that strength as my way of marketing? If I made a thing that super fans could use for free. So Joe McGill loves the Bitcoin podcast network. Uh, and he really wants to make clips like this. He can go to my site for free, type in the name, the name of the podcast or, or automatically import it from YouTube or something, make his clip of it. The clip that he exports is going to be watermarked non-intrusively with this was made with Clip Stop Marketing. Uh, and he makes the clip of it. Him doing that cost me, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of five cents. And now if he makes several clips of it, let's say let's say when he does that, you know, he, he has three clips that he did of this hour long episode. Uh, and I let him, 
I let him do everything you can do on Clipstar Marketing. So if he wants to like hook up his Twitter account uh, and automatically tweet it, if he wants to hook it up to his Facebook, whatever, you, you can use the whole product. The only thing is I watermark the videos and if I'm automatically tweeting for you, I include a link to like, this was made with Clipstar Marketing. Now what's happening is I'm, I'm effectively paying for marketing pennies at a time. I, for five cents of compute time for me, I have gotten this person to get this video out there that's an example of a video that you can make with Clipstar Marketing. He probably is uh, tagging whoever the content creator was, uh, saying like, this is an idea from this person. Now that content creator is seeing like, oh, this is nice. And wow, this person put a lot of clips out here. Uh, and he did it very quickly. Uh, what is this Clipstar Marketing thing? Uh, now the next time that they're thinking about this as a, as a content strategy, the place where I would look as a content creator is like, oh, hey, haven't people been making videos that look like this that they've been tagging us in? Uh, how are they making those? I'm trying to solve this problem right now of, of how you make this sort of video. And then that's where it gets paid off because you know, if, if I have one customer sign up because of that, that pays for what? I don't know, a thousand people using it for free. Uh, what would that actually be? If, if I'm charging like nothing, if I'm charging $100 a month for my paid customers and it costs something like 10 cents uh, per clip, yeah, I can have a thousand free customers uh, supported by every paying customer, and those those numbers were conservative by a factor of ten. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I have several thoughts. Um, this is kind of how I thought um, the setup would go with Meeting Place, um, and so I made it freemium. Um, I agree with all the things you said about freemium generally being a really bad idea um, for all the reasons that you talked about. So, if I were going to do something like this. Um, there are a lot of things I'd push back on. One is you say it costs five cents a clip, um, but that's without uh, support. Um, mm. I guarantee you that you will have free people asking you for lots of support, um, just for the reasons that you said. Yeah. Um, also, you, uh, I, I would say there's lots of assumptions about how good that marketing would be. Um, and so I'd look at those assumptions. If I was going to do it, I would treat it as an experiment and I would make sure that whatever experiment you run is time boxed. And so you're mm -hmm. not offering free forever. Uh, I would do something like for, you know, anyone who signs up on my mailing list before, you know, the end of August or something, you will get, you know, three months free in the beta program or something like that. Um, that's one way to do it. So instead of free forever, it's three months free or something. Uh, another way to do it might be, um, you know, make something like an ambassador program or something. So these people who are not clipping their own content, but are just like super fans of other podcasts or, or YouTube videos. Um, you know, it's free for the people in the ambassador program. And that is like a heavily gated thing. Like you have to know an ambassador or know you or something to get into it, you know? So it's more like a, like a premium thing to get in and it's free for them to use it on content that isn't there or something like that. Um, so I, I would heavily box it either by number of people that come in or, or how long um, they can use it. Uh, in that way, you sort of mitigate a lot and, and then basically run it as an experiment. So, you know, for the three months that it's free, does anyone actually look at the content, uh, the clips that people you make, you know, do it, does anyone actually go to your website, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I would say is it sounds like you're trying to sort of run away from marketing or sales by using this method. Um, yes. And I know you are because that's exactly what I did too. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is you got, you got someone to pay a hundred bucks a month, uh, presumably like that. That's what I heard last time. So. Mm -hmm. Can you find 10 more of those people before you do freemium? You know, like, uh, mm. if so, then don't do freemium. <laughs> find 10 more of those people. That's what I would say. I am running away from marketing. Thank you for calling me out. Um, yes. And yeah, I found someone 
willing to pay me $100 a month that said on the call, you're selling me money, you should be charging me way more. And I get to pick my customers, so like, part of what I think I might be feeling is I don't want to throw away that third of people who are super mm-hmm. fans who have signed up for this. That I, I don't want to say no to people. And it's important to say no and set boundaries and be like, no, this is not a tool for you. This is a tool for people who pay me money. And I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, you're not saying that. What you're saying is, you know, I, in order to make this viable, I need to create features and support people who are paying me money. The features that you're going to get from these super fan creators are, are different, I think, yeah. than the people who are actually paying you money. Um, so the product will be different if you listen to them instead of yeah. the people who pay you. So, Yeah, it will be. And then it's a less focused product. Okay. All right. I like what you said about time boxing it. That like, don't don't make this a trapdoor decision. If I want to experiment with premium, do it in the context of that it's gonna, that it's an experiment that's reversible. I like the way you're framing an ambassador program. Uh, this touches on another idea I had of uh, a problem that I think content creators have is like they just want these clips to be made. They don't want mm. to to manage the person. They don't want to have to hire anyone. They want to send a check and the clips get made and and they do nothing and the clips are going to be good. If I could connect the ambassadors with mm. like the content creators, if if you love the Tim Ferriss podcast and you you would just clip things from him for fun, what if I said like, hey, what if you got paid fifty dollars for every clip that you made? And then I go to Tim Ferriss and say, hey, would you pay seventy five dollars per clip uh, when you know there's this other service charging you this much? And like, maybe they won't be as high quality, but maybe they'll be higher quality because these are actual listeners of your podcast that are doing this, uh, that love you. That like, yeah. here's some examples of clips that they've already done. Uh, and then I just figure out some way of massaging that interaction. Um, that feels like a better way to do this. Maybe if I'm more direct with like, if you want to use this tool to clip someone else's podcast, you don't have to be the one paying for it, but this does need to be more formal arrangement. You can't just do this for fun with like anything you you come to. You need to be more directly generating me value. And then that's that's going to cut down on the number of people who want to do that, but that's good because I'd rather work with a smaller number of people. I'm I'm one dude who's still about to hire his personal assistant. Oh, that's <laughs> happening. Uh, I got, got pushed a little bit, but uh, happening in October. Uh, so I, it, it is the, the biggest cost here is support, which I, I wasn't thinking about. Yeah. So I, and if I had, you know, a thousand freemium customers, they're going to be asking for a different set of features that aren't going to be making them money. So I think it'd be easy to lose focus on like, what is the value actually driving this as a business forward? Okay. Okay. Good thoughts. Thank you. Um, okay. I, I think I've shifted my focus then to, it does make more sense to focus on, let's get another 10 people paying me $100 or more a month um, and listen really closely to them of what is what are the things that they want that are, are driving more value forward. Cool. Okay. Thank you. I say that as because I've made all those mistakes before. And it's very, it's very easy <laughs> to say and difficult to do. So yeah, hopefully that helps. I feel like I've made several of those mistakes before too. <laughs> Do I learn my lesson? No, I keep running exactly. away from marketing. Uh, I have one last thing I wanted to tell about, uh, tell you about, which is kind of just like, I feel good. I made progress on this project. Uh, Midnight, my time tracker, uh, designed to be a total time tracker. I track everything. Uh, I track bathroom breaks. I track how much I sleep. I track down to the second, how much work I spend on each project. I uh, made some very meaningful progress on that this last week. Uh, I have been 
this was an older code base and I needed to go through and uh, switch everything up to this new infrastructure I have of like being deployed on Vercel and uh, being written in Next. And there were some backend things that needed to happen that I did well and uh, I, I'm able to do routing now. And as part of that, okay, now that it's in this new framework, I was able to do uh, reports much easier. So I finally have reports. I can see, I, I was previously like going through day by day and adding up, okay, it was this, this much time on this day, this much time on this day and for the last week. Now I just go to a page and it's a beautiful page uh, that has, you know, the, the URL is very pretty and also reflects the, uh, the date span. Uh, and I can see for last week, I spent one hour and 21 minutes on makers.dev. Uh, and that's including recording time, which I'm very proud of. That was something I was working on for a while. On Attaboy, I spent an hour and 19 minutes. Uh, on administrative tasks, I spent four hours and 21 minutes. Uh, on Midnight, this time tracker, I spent four hours and 12 minutes. Uh, and on chatting with friends, that's another thing I was tracking. I spent nine hours and seven minutes. Feels like a, a good chunk of time being social, hanging out with people. Um, so that feels good. I pushed it forward. It's cool. Uh, and I haven't picked this project up in a while, I think, because I was very confused as to what the next step was. Uh, I was talking with my girlfriend, Sarah, about like, do we market this to lawyers? Do we market it to like consultants? And that's not who I'm making this for. I'm making it for me and people yeah. who have this problem that I do of wanting to holistically and better understand where you're investing time in your life. Elon Musk had a, a tweet recently along the lines of like, time is the most valuable resource. Uh, and this is coming from a billionaire. Like, yeah, time is extremely limited. It's very expensive. Uh, it's very difficult to, to get back and you have to be very intentional with it. And I want a second by second account of where I spend my time because that's how I'm going to know how I want to change where the time is spent in the future. Um, so this, this, I feel like I've gained clarity in what this is and who it's for, which feels good. And I think it's going to make sense to start talking about this more, uh, which might look like, I don't know, publishing on Twitter, like weekly summaries of what my time log went, uh, how I spent my time and, uh, I don't really have a pretty way to do that yet. I just have a, a table. I'd like a better visualization of like a like a tree map, like a, mm, uh, yeah. the Grand Perspective uh, software does, showing you files, how, how big they are on your computer. Uh, where does your mind go in, in talking about all this? Uh, part of this is just like, thank you for getting me back in the course. I mean, we were talking about this a few months ago of like, this is a thing for me and I'm, I'm designing this for a market that I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, we sort of, when we talked about this before, you talked about like consultants or lawyers or something, and their, all of their needs are sort of different than what you're designing for. I think yeah. at the time I compared it more to like maybe Nomad List or Four Hour Work Week, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. groups around that, like people who are really interested in either, um, you know, I mean, for Nomad List, it's like, you know, traveling um, in a specific way. And it's not any one profession, but it's like people who have this really specific interest. So I think yeah. that's more um, kind of like what you're, what you would be doing with this. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's neat. Excited to see where it goes. Uh, it would be interesting to see, you know, if or how it could make it could make money. Um, I presumably that's your goal if you're trying to sell it to other people. Or so, um, but yeah, that's I think I think it's neat. I think it's a good strategy to not focus on any particular like, you know, consultants or lawyers or something, but instead focus on people who really want second by second tracking of everything. You know, 
I sort of see like a, I don't know if you want to do this, but I sort of see like a very expensive uh, box that you open and you have your 10 little buttons that you, you know, <laughs> put around your in a room. And then it comes with like some instructions about like how to do this whole setup. And it's like a, you know, like a whole experience to, to the tracking. Um, that's sort of where my mind went, but uh, I don't know if that's something you want to do at all, but yeah. I like the idea of that. That'd be a cool experience to give to other people. Uh, technically it'd be very difficult because these, the buttons I have right now have a stupid amount of setup of ah. you got to copy and paste this thing and go to a specific area of the app. Like I, to do that, I would need to be making my own buttons, which would be tricky. Um, I don't know for for the, for people who just want to track their time second by second. I don't see this as a thing that I could charge more than like, I don't know, $20 a month for, which is kind of painful seeing things like NoCo, the, the time tracker. If I just specialize a little bit more of, okay, no, this is for freelancers or this is for lawyers. Okay, now it's a you know $250 a month project. Yeah. Um, but that's just not the audience I'm excited about. That's not like how I'm using it. This is a, uh, it's like a life improvement thing. It's like a, if I'm going to charge more money for this, I think it might be in consulting. I think it might be in like, this is the physical tool and the software that gets you the data that then you can have a consultation with someone like Laura Vanderkam uh, or, or someone that she trains. Laura Vanderkam is an author who has written a lot about time tracking and the, the benefits of it. Um, and she has a whole exercise that you go through of like you track your time for the last week and she just does it in a, in a spreadsheet 15 minutes at a time, uh, which is perfectly functional. It, it doesn't like <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the advantage that you get from doing it second by second. is like not that much, but I, the, the, what's useful for it for me is I've made the system so easy that it's just effortless for me to get a, a full accounting of my time. Uh, so maybe the full product is you get consulting. You have an hour long call with someone and it's a six week program or something. And uh, the first week is just, let's get set up and let's practice getting good data. Uh, make sure we have all the buttons set up. And then the second week is like, okay, we have two weeks of data to look, to look back on now. What would you like to be spending more time on? What would you like to be spending less time on? What surprised you from this? Uh, and those conversations feel like they could be templated really easily that like, that seems like the sort of thing that could be easily outsourced. Uh, and so now if it's a consulting thing, Maybe I can offer the tool for a small amount of money, and then I'm I'm just really pushing for, hey, if you'd like a time consultation, it's $100 per call. Uh, you can get the six-week program with one call per week for, I don't know, $500. We'll give you $100 off. Uh, and there's this other bonus if you unlock this feature of the app. Um, that's that's kind of where my mind is going. Does that seem reasonable? Is that a, is that an angle that's consistent with what I'm trying to do here? Yeah, I mean, there's two two different ways I could see this really going. One is exactly what you're talking about, super customized, you know, like, yeah, $1,000 for this program that's really going to redefine how you live your life or something. Um, that feels like it's very hands-on for you and would require a lot of, you know, time and effort in producing it, um, yeah. which maybe what you want to do, that's fine. Um, the other way is to go way down market. Um, you could still be an expensive time tracker, but be down market, but expensive time tracker would be like, you know, one-time fee of $29 for an app kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is an expensive time tracker because uh, most are like a dollar right yeah. on the app store. <laughs> um, but I think you could probably, you could probably make a case for like a $29 time tracker, um, especially if you, I don't know. So you said the buttons are really hard, but that I think uh, like based on what you've been saying has kind of been part of what makes the experience so good for you. And yeah. so um, it might be worth figuring out how to, integrate those buttons even if so the type of people who might do this 
might be people like you who are willing to spend a, a lot of time figuring out how to connect buttons to you know their their app um so i don't know yeah i think there's a few different ways you could you could take it i would talk to your customers <laughs> that is what i'll you know talk to your potential customers uh, uh, yeah exactly exactly but i don't want to i, I know. just want to stay in my cave and code <laughs> if you just want to stay in your cave and code then i would release an app uh on the app store for 29 dollar one time yeah. one time fee and then have lots of good testimonials and videos about how it works and stuff yeah i don't want to do that okay well I should talk to my customers then. Uh, I had people using this, but I think they fell off because I never set up anyone with buttons. That's That's been like the key of this for me. And there's other ways to, like I have, you know, a touch bar app that does it and there's shortcuts on my phone that, that can also enter things. But the, the, the main, I feel like the main innovation here for me was like systematizing anything that I have more than a 25% chance of doing in a day to, to enter that in the time log is just I push a button or it, it happens automatically based on something that I do or I, I tap a, an icon on my phone or on the touch bar. Um, yeah. yeah. Really just... just like nailing those systems in place uh, has, has been the thing that's gotten me to, to be able to keep such a rigorous log. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a course. Maybe it's like a time tracking course that's six hundred dollars you can charge six hundred dollars for a course and then i'm not oh oh yep okay and then i'm not having to invest a bunch of time but i can offer a very premium like okay (laughs) but what amount of money would someone have to send me to to get me to like do actual work um (laughs) let's okay an in-person consultation is you know a thousand dollars um after you've taken the course but the course is going to answer most of your questions i like that the most i think because of course I can walk someone through, I have my systematized thing. Okay. It's still a six week program, but it's systematized. And then if you want as an upsell after that, or if you want just from the very beginning, you just have so much money and you, you uh, want individual attention from, from the beginning, uh, you can pay for the uh, more expensive course. Okay. And now it doesn't really matter that like a time tracker is a time tracker and this is a commodity because this time tracker in particular is the one supported by the course and it lets you do everything that you'll need to do in the course. And I guess if you want to, if you're already using a time tracker, you can use that too. The, the core product is this course, but there, there might be some things uh, that you're doing in this that would be difficult. And if you really don't want to do any of the setup and you, you don't want to do the software, you could just get this done uh, by having a spreadsheet. Okay, that's that's the angle here. That feels really good. Because then a course is automated, that sells itself, uh, and then I just figure out whatever, you know, I, I I would feel good doing like weekly office hours if I have like a hotline people call in and I'll answer whatever their uh, question is and then take that content and repurpose it and now I'm, I'm syndicating that and now that's uh, sort of built in marketing. Okay, okay, I've got a plan. That feels good. Does it, does the course resonate with you too? Is that, does that make sense? It does, yeah. Um... I would still talk to customers to figure out, you know, what price point and how you reach yes, them I, and all of that. I know. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yes. Yeah. I, I think of course is, is more like what you want this to be. Cool. That feels good. Talking to customers, man. When's the last time you talked to a customer? <laughs> uh, I talked to Jesse about his. <laughs> ah, you got me. All right. <laughs> but no, I, I do the same thing. I, it's, it is hard. It's difficult. Right. Um, and I, and I don't know why, I don't know why it's hard. Um, but it is. Hmm. Yeah. Marie Poulin got me turned on to this idea of having office hours that like 
once mm. a week at a set time and you broadcast it across your entire base, you're just like, hey, if, if you show up and have a question, I'll answer it for you. And then you can take that video and everyone has access to it, whether or not they showed up for office hours. Then the people who have the most burning questions get their questions answered. You time box it of like, this is only an hour a week that I'm talking to people. Uh, I can talk to several people at once. Uh, they don't have to be on video if they don't want to. Uh, I'm I'm looking for a system like that, that that would just get me in the process of talking to people without, I don't know, having to, having to schedule it one by one. That I just have this standing thing of like, any question you have, oh, I could do it even like across products. I could just say like, if you're a customer of mine using anything I've made, show up at this time. Right. I will answer your question. And then after the fact, I can split it up into clips and then have the clips go where they need to go on, you know, on, on, if it's a question about the time tracker, it'll, it'll go on that. If it's a question about file inbox, it'll go on that Facebook page. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, even so my master's program, they, you can email or you can ask questions on the forums, but the way you actually talk to people is show up to their office hours. Like they hold office hours twice a week. And if you want to talk to the professors or the uh, TAs, then you have to show up for their office hours. So yeah, that's how you scale your time yeah yeah okay i like that that feels scaled in several several respects too because you know you could have 10 people show up to office hours and now in an hour you've answered 10 people's questions instead of scheduling 10 different calls exactly yeah yeah yeah. and you sort of get to skip the formality of like oh hello how are you (laughs) right how is how is the place that you're at ah covid i know right uh And that, so you're scaling in that respect, and then you're also scaling in like the expectation is that this is office hours; it's being recorded. I don't have to ask permission to re- record this thing, so I can take a video of this and then scale it out. I really like this idea. Uh that's that's starting to make a lot of sense, and that's that's a way to solve this problem of uh that talking to people is hard, huh? And then I just broadcast on like every email list I have. If you, if you want to ask me a question about anything, uh, here's the here's the form to do it in. That's kind of fun for me, too, because then I can gauge, like, oh, I'm having a lot of people ask me about my coding class. I, I, and now I'm in the mode of talking about that. I could spend more time doing that. That might be confusing if, if you show up, like, wanting to ask me a question about file inbox, and then I'm answering questions about something totally different that you've never heard of. Eh, but I'll I'll do it, and I'll figure it out. And if anything, I, I could spin something out into like okay this this thing has its own separate office hours now that's at this time okay cool that feels good cool cool that's all i got that's all i got too then i will see you not next week but the week after i'm going to croatia yeah Uh, wish me luck if if if, if the government's all let you right yes (laughs) yeah i might be calling you from a uh quarantine camp or something the next time we talk uh all right i'll i'll see you when i see you bye bye